Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. It is good to be with you. What a great day so far, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're so glad you're here today. And as Scott said, if you're online with us, thanks for being here. We have hundreds of people every week that join us either on the stream or on the podcast. Grace and peace to all of you. We're so glad you're here. Well, here we are. We are in week number nine of our series, The Book of Luke, Miracles Everywhere. Many of us have just finished reading through the book of Luke, so therefore we are in the deep streams of the life and teachings of Jesus, and we are just enjoying that. There's not much better than the stories and life and the teachings of Jesus. How many of you all know that Jesus changes everything about everything, right? Well, today I actually want to continue the message I started last Sunday. Um, Last Sunday we talked about what did Jesus say about money And if you want to talk about speaking of changing everything about everything, when Jesus showed up and he came and he started talking about life, it immediately led him to start talking about things like our possessions, the things that we hold near and dear, the treasures in our life, and of course, our money and our giving. And he was literally changing everything about everything when he talked and when he taught those things. I read a stat the other day that said the average American spends six times more time shopping than playing with their kids. And uh, stuff like that is normal in our culture. You know that? And we prioritize material things, possessions. We prioritize earthly treasures. Most Christians in America, this is a true stat, spend more on pizza annually than they do giving to charitable things or even the church of the Lord. And We just need Jesus to change everything about everything, people. Are you all with me with that? We need Jesus to change everything about everything, beginning with our hearts. And, you know, we said one thing last week that I think is really important. First of all, if you're new here, if you're you're curious about what we believe about all this, I would just say that Jesus is concerned about one thing with you. He's concerned about your life. He's concerned about you as a person. He cares about your life. He's 100% concerned and committed to you. He doesn't need any money. He wants you to live a transformed, free life where you aren't mastered and controlled by the ebbs and flows of money. God doesn't want you fulfilled or failed as a result of money. Jesus cares about you and me. He cares about how we live. And he cares about what we do with our lives. How many of you are excited and thankful and grateful that God cares about you? You know what I'm saying? And I say that, and I know in a room with this many people in it, there are people who are like, really? God cares about me? I'm not quite so sure. Do you know about my life? Do you know what's happened to me? And I would just say, you know, as I prayed on this message, I just knew that even the the concept that God cares about you, That I was just praying that, man, would someone be here today, Lord, that needs to hear that? Would someone be here today? Because I know there is. They're questioning that, that they would start to feel God's love come in on them in a way. And so, God, would you even do that right now, Holy Spirit? Would you start moving on people right now that need to know that you care for them? Because here's what I know is true. God sees you right where you're at. God sees what you're going through. God loves you. And I always say God has you, but I'm changing it today that God cares for you. God cares for you. 
So I wasn't sure if I'd do two weeks on this topic a few weeks ago. I was just planning on doing one. We'll see how it went. But honestly, after last Sunday, I had, I had more. It's interesting. I had more people come to me and talk to me about last Sunday's message than probably the previous hundred combined. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this is a real good feedback culture or what, but I finally got some. And uh, <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to settle into this. So I took that as a sign from the Lord that we're not supposed to talk about this for one more week. You all good with that? Good, because if you're not, we could just talk about everybody's opinion on COVID. <laughs> sure you haven't talked about that one enough. So as a way of review, let's start with that. <clears throat> Last week, we said this, you need you to give. You need you to give. God doesn't need you to give. He doesn't need your money. God designed giving as the counter, as the antidote to our misguided heart that's looking for significance through the accumulation of more things. And listen, Jesus says you'll never find fulfillment in the accumulation of more things. You'll only find fulfillment in Christ alone. Are you all with me? All right, that's part number one. Part number two is the second thing I want to remind us of from last week is that God must be first, right? Proverbs 3, 6 through 10 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everyone say heart. heart. God is all about your heart. He's all about your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We know this verse, Proverbs 3, 6. Yeah, this is one of those good verses. But how many of you know that people love to make their own plans with their own money? He says, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Human wisdom is limited. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body. Everyone say body. body. That was just for fun. <laughs> and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, which is your livelihood. Hold on, the trust in the Lord verse is the same verse as the one we read last week about first fruits. Then your barns will be filled and overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Oh my goodness, this is the same passage that's stitched in your grandma's pillow and it's talking about first fruits. We just don't read far enough. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Honor the Lord with your wealth. God's children give to him first because when we trust God with our heart, we realize we don't have the wisdom, we don't have the things we need in order to make decisions on our own, so we need the Lord to help us with these things. And when we honor God, we prioritize him and our vats will be brimming. Everyone say, my vats are brimming. <laughs> I need that hoodie. My vats are brimming. Everybody be like, what is he? I don't know. God's word says something about when his children don't give, though, right? Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10. And if you're thinking, Tim, didn't you read that last week? You're right. We read it, but we're going to read it again because two times is better than one time. That's what I said when I had ice cream the other day. Here we go. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. 
Test me in this. Remember, this is what we can do. We can test him in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. This is those vats thing, right? That there will not be enough room enough to store it. Man, there is, there is a lot of blessing attached to trusting God and the ways he's told us to live. And I'm reading this passage again because I really believe that it needs to sink into our hearts. God wants us to sink into our hearts. God writes that we're robbing him when we withhold our tithes and offerings. Now, I believe there is the timeless truth behind giving when it comes to first fruits and to, and to tithe. I believe in that. But I have to be honest, and I think you'll agree with me in this. I have mixed feelings in the world of the church, if you will, when, it, when we talk about the tithe. Because so often it's been misused and misrepresented. It's become legalistic or dogmatic or religious. It could be manipulative. I've been in places and I've seen that firsthand. And in fact, I'll just be completely honest, you may not even know this, but the, the subject of the tithe is, is, is actually a heated debate among some. Because Jesus actually taught on the tithe very little. Specifically, there's only a few brief mentions that he talks about. He talks about money a lot and giving a lot, but this tithe very briefly. But so many look to dismiss the importance of the tithe, calling it an Old Testament law or the, under the Old Covenant law. So if you're familiar with Bible history, you have the Old Testament, the New Testament. And of course, the Old Testament represents the story of God before Jesus. The New Testament represents the story of God with Jesus. And then, of course, the new church of Christ after that. And so what happens is that there are some laws in the Old Testament that are no longer uh, required of us because Jesus fulfilled them. Some of the Old Testament laws, such as go and sacrifice a lamb for the atoning sacrifice of your sin at the temple annually. <laughs> that, that was no longer required because Jesus fulfilled that because he fulfilled the sacrifice for our sin, to atone for our sin, for all people, for all sin, for all time, right? Therefore, no more innocent lambs had to die because Jesus was the Lamb of God. So that part of the law falls away. Y'all with me? But some parts of the law do not fall away. You understand that? We still agree with most parts of the Old Testament law, such as do not kill people, right? We agree with that. Don't steal. Don't take your neighbor's wife. Don't have idols before the Lord. Like these are things that were in the Old Testament that we still believe and we believe as necessary to life. They serve as the moral compass to how we live. And these are the ways that Jesus actually lived himself. So Jesus spoke to this difference between the Old Testament or the Old Covenant and the New Testament, the New Covenant. He said this in Matthew 5, 17. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then in Luke 16, 17, he says, but it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. So Jesus is saying, listen, the law is still intact. I am fulfilling part of that law, completing it, putting a stamp of approval on it, but it's still in play. And on top of that, and I'm saying this to anybody that's like, what, what, what was, was this really? I want to understand this more. I want to understand what the word teaches. On top of that, every New Testament example of giving goes beyond the tithe. None of it falls short. Jesus raised the spiritual bar for his followers. He never lowered it. 
He called us to a life of radical generosity and sacrifice, one that exceeded Old Testament law and practices and teachings like the ones we read in Malachi and other scriptures. Remember the scripture when he tells the rich young ruler, go and give everything you have away. Why does he say that? Because he wants our lives to be free of other masters. He wants our lives to be completely surrendered to the salvation of Christ alone. And he knows what competing forces are out there that look to capture your heart. Most Christians today actually practice a thing called grace giving. I'll put that on the screen. Grace giving. You may not be familiar with this term, but it's a type of giving that most Christians practice that basically is defined as we give what we decide on our own that we should give. <laughs> There's a verse that supports grace giving. It comes out of 2 Corinthians 9, verses 7 and 8. There's, this, there's a good piece to what this means. But listen to this. It says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. There's that. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen to that, right? And God is able to bless you. There it is again. Those vats are brimming. Bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is an amazing passage. So on so many levels, this represents grace giving. And it's a wonderful thing because it encourages you to search your heart, to prayerfully seek God. How can I be generous? And then he puts something in your heart and you go and do it. And then if you do that, as you do that, God will bless you abundantly. But I'll say this, we cannot build our entire theology or doctrine of giving on one verse. There's a whole narrative. There's a whole story of what God's doing and teaching us. And this is one way to give. So from this passage, we certainly derive that one of the ways in which we are generous is through an act of grace giving, meaning that we prayerfully decide in our heart what God's calling us to give. Maybe it's for a specific purpose or a specific need. But what, what would you think about if I said, but there's a bit of gray in this, isn't there? There's a bit of ambiguity. Everybody just on their own gets to prayerfully decide in their heart what they should give. For example, what if you're praying and you just didn't get real confidence in anything? You're like, I don't know. I don't know what I should give. Or what if you're praying and, and fear comes into play and you're like, man, I'm afraid. And so you're afraid to give. And so you decide, I'm, I'm going to give $100 a month, for example. I'm just going to use that for an, as an example. But you make $5,000 a month. That's 2%, by the way. And someone else prays and they feel like I'm supposed to give $1,500 a month. And they also make $5,000 a month. So that's 30%. So is that the way God orders his way of living? Some give 2%, some give 30%, some give zero, whatever they decide in their heart. And see, when we start to think about it that way, we start to realize maybe God does have an order to things. So perhaps what is called grace giving is something you practice or believe in. And you don't really necessarily know that the tithe is necessary because it's an old covenant thing. Maybe you've thought about that before. Regardless of what you believe, I think it's worthy to ask a really, really hard question. Y'all ready for it? God, you're asking this to God. God, do you really expect less of me who has the Holy Spirit in me and lives in the wealthiest society in human history? Do you expect less of me than you did a poor first century Israelite? That question should hit us pretty, pretty square in the face in some ways. 
I think it's an important question for all of us to consider. Does God expect less of me than he did of his people 2,000 years ago? This, the stats indicate that the majority of Christians don't practice or believe maybe in tithing and instead embrace give, grace giving. Studies show that, as I've already said, the average American Christian gives 2% to, to any cause. And, but I would say tithing is not God's way to control us. It's his historical method to get his people on the path to giving. In that sense, it's a gateway to the joy that he wants to give us through being a generous person. It's the starting place, right? It's, it's not the place that we stop. It would be an unhealthy way to say that that's where giving stops. Instead, it's not the ceiling. I mean, excuse me, it's, it's, it's not the ceiling, but it's the floor of our giving, right? It's not, the, it's not the finish line. It's the starting blocks. That's the way God's designed it. Chais can launch us into a mindset and skills and habits of grace giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, but since you excel in everything, since you excel in everything, because I'm sure you're perfect, right? In faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. How many know that giving is not about law, but it is about love, right? It is about love above all else. But Malachi 3, and you're like, man, how long is he going to drive this point home? Just stay with me. Malachi 3, the Israelites robbed God with, by withholding not only their mandatory tithes, but also their offerings. You've probably heard it said in church, you can give tithes and offerings. Those are two different things. To tithe is set aside as the 10% holy and unto the Lord, and the offerings are the free will, grace-giving offerings that you can give as God leads you. And God says in this passage that you are robbing me of both. Listen to what Randy Alcorn says in the book called The Treasure Principle. It says this, some say, well, okay, let's take this gradually starting with 5%. But if you believe God hasn't lowered his minimum giving standard, that's like saying, I used to rob six convenience stores a year. This year, by his grace, I'm only going to rob three. <laughs> the point is not to rob God less. It's not to rob God at all. Come on, right? By the way, if you want to read more and you want some books about giving and about money and all that kind of stuff from the scripture, two books I'd recommend. One is this one, The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. The second one is The Blessed Life by um, Robert Morris. And what the heck, I'll add a third one. It's The Holy Bible by God. <laughs> that one's the best, especially when you read it. Um, <clears throat> <sighs> We could keep going, but I think you get the point. God must be first. Everyone say, God must be first. first. He wants your heart. He wants to bless you. All right, let's get to our key passage for today from the book of Luke. If you're thinking, what just happened? We're just now getting to the key passage. Yeah, that was just a review from last week. Luke 16, verse 10 and 11. This is the key verse. I love this verse. Who? can be trusted with very little, can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be with dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Oh, God is bringing up the trust thing, the matter of trust. The scripture in Luke leads us to ask a really great question. Have we been trustworthy with what we've been given? 
Have you been trustworthy with what you've been given? Now, in America, there is a huge myth that many people live under. We live under the myth that we aren't rich. <laughs> we live under the myth that we don't have much, that we're barely making it, that we don't have what other people have. And here's the thing. I understand the compulsion, if you will, to say something like that when a lot of us are truly living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe we have financial challenges that we face from probably spending too much. Or we compare ourselves to others who have much higher standards of living. But I do want to just remind us that we live in the wealthiest culture in the history of the world. And when we live under the myth that we don't have much, we are essentially saying we haven't been given much. We have to break free of the myth that we live in want when we have been given plenty. Have we been trustworthy with what we've been given? Because we've been given a lot. And it goes well beyond material and money. We all understand that. But it does help us understand why Jesus so prominently and emphatically speaks to the idea that money has the mastering potential over us. Remember, Jesus says, listen, if, some, if money masters you, I will be unable to entrust you with it. Remember Luke 16, 13, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, right? But here's the thing. There is a thing called greed. Anybody heard of greed? When, it hap when money masters us, greed enters in. It's an appetite that cannot be satisfied. It's a bottomless pit. So whenever you're able, it works like this. Whenever you're able to, to uh, afford the steak from Outback for $22, it's not long before you want the $32 steak from Charleston's, right? When you're finally able to buy the $20,000 car, it's not too long before you want to buy the $30,000 car. That's how greed works. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, the one who has money is never satisfied with it. Now, this is when money becomes our master. We can have money and it not master us. We can have money and serve the Lord and make him first. So asking yourself, have I been trustworthy with what I've been given is a great question because it might expose where you struggle. And I, I just got to be honest, like it's exposed for me, like the areas in which I struggle. And here's the deal, like we all struggle with this. It's all something that we can grow in. And that's the cool thing about the Lord is he gives us grace and he says, I want to invite you into something more. So he gives us grace. He doesn't beat us up. He loves us. He cares for us. He sees us. He sees us as we are and says, hey, hey, would you follow me? Because I have something better. I want to fill your vats. Will you trust me? We don't like to talk about this struggle. You know, as a pastor, I cannot recall. I have a lot of conversations with people about life. I cannot recall one conversation where someone come up to me and said, Tim, I need to talk to you because I struggle with greed. I struggle with endlessly buying things I don't need and not making the Lord first. Isn't that interesting? One of the biggest problems that we have in life we are unwilling to talk about our struggle with it. 
You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus knows that money is something that masters people. So that's, that's why he cares about what you do with your life. Because he cares about your life. Have I said that enough that Jesus cares about you? That he cares about your life? That's why he's involved in this? So no matter who you are, where you are, how rich you are, how poor you are, this is for you. This message is for you. Jesus took note of what the Pharisees did with their tithes and offering, but he also took note of what the poor widow did. Do you remember that story also in the book of Luke? Luke chapter 21. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put two very small copper coins. He said, truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. You see, Jesus, right, he doesn't look at us for a specific amount. We know that. He looks at the heart. He looks at, are you trusting me? Are you trusting me? Because if we are trusting him, then we become trustworthy to him. Did you catch that? If we are trusting him, trust in the Lord with all your heart. If we are trusting him, we become trustworthy to him. Let me give you a little illustration to bring this home. Let's say that I go away on a little extended trip. Uh, I am going to be going to Fiji to do ministry <laughs> for the suffering people of Fiji. I'll be learning the art of taking a nap on the beach, all in the name of Jesus and for the sake of his call. I've been hired as a traveling pastor, sort of like a traveling nurse. But they bring me there, and here's the kicker. I have to stay for a year, and I have to go by myself. So I will be leaving my bride, my four kids, and my five-pound dog in the care of all of you. Will you help me? Okay. I'll ask three of you to help me then. I need three people that are willing to help me with this amazing opportunity to go share the word of Jesus in Fiji. Can I get anybody that's willing to help me? Chad. All right, Chad, you can help me. I'm going to have Scott help me. I see Julian. Man. Okay, here's the reason. Chad, I really trust this dude for sure. I have to trust Scott. And Julian, dude, you got so much potential, man. You got so much. I just see so much potential in you. So I'm going to trust these three guys, and here's how this works. is I'm going to give each of you... $10,000 a month to take care of my affairs and responsibilities while I'm gone. All right, did I tell you that this gig is pretty lucrative? <laughs> Making some cold, hard cash. But here's the thing, I need you guys to take care, and here's the only thing, you take care of all the responsibilities, I got some jobs for you, all that kind of stuff, but I need you, I need you to take $1,000 a month, because I'm gonna give you $10,000 a month, I need you to take $1,000 a month, I need you to give it to my bride, Christy, to take care of my family. Does that sound good? That's fair. That's a good deal. Anybody taking that deal? Who's taking that deal? Who's taking that deal? Okay, some of you are just not smart. All of you should be raising your hand. So here's the thing. So just as I said, I go to Fiji. I'm sipping on Fiji water from the source on the daily. It's just straight, you know, from the source. And I'm enjoying it. It's crystal clear. It's all that good stuff. And and a few months pass, so I, I, uh, <clears throat> I do, as I say, I start Venmoing these guys their money. I almost break Venmo with so much money. 
Venmo in their money. And then I FaceTime Christy about three months in. And I'm like, hey, Christy, how's it going? I'm, I'm not doing too good. Pray for me. <laughs> and she's like, she's like oh, and I say, hey, are they doing what I asked you to do? Are they, are they sending you the money like I instructed them to do? And she says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, Chad, he's doing exactly what you said. He's sending, you the one, he's sending me the $1,000 a month as you instructed. And I said, well, that makes sense. I trust Chad. He's a good guy. And then she said, she said, but Julian, he's doing something kind of crazy. He's sending me $2,000 a month. And I don't even know why. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. But he said, but Scott, <laughs> Scott sent me 800 the first month, 300 the second month. <laughs> and, he hasn't seen, and nothing the third month. Nothing. So as a loving husband, even though I left her for a year to go to Fiji, what am I to do? Well, first of all, here's the thing. To Chad, I'm going to say, bro, great job. I'm going to keep sending him his 10 grand a month. And every once in a while, I might even throw in a little love to him. You know, Christmas gets a little extra love, you know, through the year. I'm like, yeah, man, you're doing your work. Thank you so much. And then uh, with Scott, though, guess what? That gravy train is moving out the station, right? <laughs> Venmo is going dark for Scott. Julian, though, guess where that extra 10 grand is going? The guy who has so much potential is about to be blessed. And so I give him, and here's why I bless him, right? Because I'm the, I'm the, I'm the giver of the money. I'm the owner of the money. I'm the one who is in control of it. It's mine. I'm distributing it, and I want them to distribute it in a particular way. And here's what I've learned is that Julian cares what I care about. He has proved himself trustworthy that I can not only trust him to do what I've asked him to do, he'll go beyond what I've asked him to do. That's called being generous. That's called I'm going to even go further than what I've been required to do because I love the opportunity to be generous. And so with him, he's been trustworthy with what I've given him. If we say we love God, we must say that we love his bride, right? The church is the bride of Christ, and he's asked us to take care of it. He has entrusted us to take care of one another. He's entrusted us to take care of the poor. He's entrusted us to carry out his commission to go and make disciples of all nations. He's entrusted us with the work that he wants to see happen in this world. He says, will you take care of my bride? I will give you all you need. I just need you to do a little bit. I need you to trust my plan. I need you to trust my ways. And when you do that, I will bless you. I will take care of you. I will make sure that not only is there food in my house, but there's food in your house. In fact, whenever you do that, I will not only have food in my house, I will overflow your house. I will open up the floodgates of blessing and your vats will be brimming. And if you're saying, oh, Tim, this is a give to get thing. No, it's not. It's in the Bible. It's not. It's not. I don't know how God will bless us. I don't know how that's overflowing looks. I just know that it's what God's word says. And I want to trust in the Lord with all of my heart. I want to not lean on my own understanding, but I want to submit all of my ways to him. I want to honor the Lord with my wealth and the first fruits of my crops, my livelihood. Because at that point, that's when God says, hmm. 
I am going to overflow you with blessing. You see, that's the beautiful part. He will always abundantly bless us. So have you been trustworthy with what you've been given? I want to give you three questions to kind of take with you today. Every once in a while I do that because I feel like this message isn't intended to all happen in this room today, but you're supposed to take stuff with you. The first question is just simply this. So it kind of goes along with, have you been trustworthy with what you've been given? A deeper dive into this would be, do you ask God how you should use your money? And I thought about this question, and I don't know how often I sit, sit down and say, Lord, what do you want me to do as I make this budget? <laughs> what do you want me to do as I really consider what you do want to do with my money? But how often do you ask him that when you build a budget or you decide to, to splurge? God, should I use my money in this way? Maybe ask God, see what he thinks. He may say yes. He may say no. He may say do it this way. How do you want me to use what you've given me, Lord? The second question, very direct, very direct question in what we've been talking about. Do you give God a tithe? Why or why not? You have to answer that question for yourself. And I think you should take the time to answer it. And here's the thing. It's not intended to beat you up, but it's intended to help you process, like, what am I doing with God's word in my heart? I want to add one thing to this. It's called the 10-10-80 principle. I just taught this simple approach to my finances, and hopefully this is just a practical idea that can just, you can take with you, and if it, if it sticks, great, if it doesn't, whatever. But I, I was taught this when I was 23 or 24 years old, and it is, is often called the 80-10-10 the principle, but I'm reversing it to put it in the right order, 10-10-80 principle. The 10, meaning I start my finances with what I give, my tithe, my 10%. The next 10 is, the way that I save, invest, and I'm a great steward of the Lord's money with me. So I'm not spending everything I have. So 10, 10, and then 80 is what I live on. This is a really simple model that I think a lot of us are going, bro, that's so elementary. I've, I'm, I'm past that. Great. Kudos to you. Awesome. Some of you need this, though. <laughs> Some of you are a long ways for, from it. And this is just a great way to think about it. And you know what? Generosity is very infectious. Pretty soon this will become 15, 15, 70. And, and there's stories of people who, who now, they live on 10 and give 90. I mean, imagine that kind of dream for your life. Imagine that way of thinking and that way of living to where you're like, Lord, I, I, want, I want you to use me in such a way in your kingdom that I could live on 10 and give away 90. Now, you may be thinking, that could never happen with what I make right now. What if you, what if he said, I'm not planning on doing that with what you make now? The God has other plans. And then number three, do you have stories of generosity? Specifically, this is grace giving, giving to people and causes because you really want to, that God's put it in your heart. It could be giving to the poor or giving meals or sharing possessions or supporting missionaries or giving time and kindness because generosity is not just about money, right? It's about our whole life. So we're giving away time and kindness to neighbors and friends and family. You know, there's really, and I think you guys would agree, there's nothing more powerful than stories of generosity. A lot of those stories go anonymous. We don't even hear them because a lot of people give anonymously and that's a beautiful thing. But every once in a while I get to hear stories. I heard a story about a couple in our church and the only reason I heard about it is it was a matter of prayer for a little bit, but they felt like God was calling them to give away a car, but it wasn't because they were giving out of their wealth. It was actually a car that would be given out of sacrifice, given out of trusting the Lord with what he was calling him to give. It was a sacrificial a gift over and above a tithe and what they already do. So they, but they figured it out. And 
they reworked their budget and they trusted the Lord that God had given them enough that they could be generous. And when you hear stories like that, when you're like, man, that's not, I mean, you're doing that in a way that's truly just generosity, just allowing the Lord to work in you. It's stories like that where we trust the Lord with what he's given us, that we get to see him start to do what he does. See if he doesn't fill your vats in those moments. There's stories like that that lead to that. I want to, I want to close with this and then we're going to pray, but I want to go back to Proverbs 3, 6. I know, I know we already read it, but I just feel like it's a good way to end. This is where we began. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, all your livelihood. Then your barns will be filled and overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Trust in the Lord and you will be trustworthy. Amen? Once again, this message is about your life. It's about you. It's about your life. It's about your love for the Lord. It's about your trust in Him. That's all it's about. There's no other hidden agenda. There's no other secret thing behind this. It's truly the Word of God coming into our life and transforming us and freeing us. So let's pray together. He wants the best for you. Father, we pray that as we just spend some time here in the next few minutes reflecting and praying and worshiping that Lord you would just fill our hearts with with joy fill our hearts with gratitude for your goodness and how much you've given us remind us of all the ways that you've given to us thank you for being trustworthy thank you for loving us thank you for caring for us you're so good In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.